Thank you for joining us today. I'm Ian Hamilton. I'm the managing editor of UploadVR.com. I'm joined here today by David Heaney, the creator of this virtual studio. He's over in Ireland. I'm in the middle of the United States. And we've got Oculus Quest hand tracking right now for a discussion about what Apple's headset could mean for VR. Now, uh, Heaney, can you bring us up to speed on what we know about this headset and basically how it differs from the years and years and years of rumors that we've heard that Apple's working on this technology? So there really is a lot to unpack here. The first reports of Apple working on a headset started in late 2017 when Bloomberg reported that Apple was working on a headset for release in 2020. The information they had was it would use a new operating system called ROS, lowercase ROS for Reality OS, and a custom chip. But it was very light on details, and it was unclear what kind of headset this was actually going to be. In late 2018, we got the first real details of this apparent first product from CNET. They revealed that the codename for it is T288. It would have dual 8K displays, release in 2020, but how it would work is be powered by an external box. And so we were waiting for a while for this headset that was going to be very, very powerful, very high-end, where you have a wireless box that's almost like a tiny little computer you put in the corner of the room that transmits the signal to the headset. Now, it looks like over the years that's been cancelled. Specifically, what Mark Gurman, Bloomberg again, reported earlier in 2020 was that Johnny Ive, Apple's famous designer who's in love with minimalism and keeping products sleek and streamlined, balked at the idea. This was a, that is a direct quote, B-A-L-K-E-D. And apparently after months of debate, Tim Cook sided with Ive. Now the question is, who was on the other side of the debate? And the answer is, the leader of Apple's AR VR projects, a man called Mike Rockwell. And he joined Apple around 2015 to lead this project. And it looks like he's really been sinking his teeth in. Beforehand, he led engineering at Dolby Labs, who's behind audio codecs and other home entertainment things, as well as things for cinemas, advanced technology. And so it looks like he's been working for the past six years on a project that has slowly shifted from this external wireless tethered box to what is now, from the more recent reports, a sleeker lighter Oculus Quest made with fabric and higher resolution cameras. And this is now the headset we expect and is being reported to release in 2022, pending no changes. And we got the first details from an outlet called The Information in late 2019. They're a subscription outlet that reports on insider tech details. And, and we find that they've had quite a few scoops on Apple and Facebook and Google's workings in AR and VR. And so they, they revealed the, the code name for this project slash headset, which is N301, N301. And they gave us more details such that it would have spatial environmental mapping and extremely high resolution displays. At this stage, we still thought it was going to be an AR, a VR headset in the sense of hardware, but an AR headset in usage. But in the most recent report, which just came out last week, we have Bloomberg again, Mark Gurman, giving more details. The same headset is now for mostly virtual reality that they've worked very hard to get it as slim as possible, including the fact that instead of a glasses spacer, you will just get prescription lenses if, if you're hard of sight. It will, have, it will have a fan inside it to cool it, typical of a, a high-intensity 3D graphics, and that it would be much more expensive than Oculus Quest, with some Apple insiders suggesting that it may only sell in the low hundreds of thousands of units per year, which would be significantly lower than Apple's other standalone products. I want to say hi to some of our commenters here. Hello, Ryan, Julian, Mike, G-Dog. Thank you for joining us today. It's kind of a different episode. We really wanted to dive deep into this subject. Uh, Heaney and I have been discussing this for literally years now, kind of going back and forth on this, on, on what Apple could do and how they're going to do it, and even if they can do it. I mean, that's kind of one of the core questions here is whether they can really compete. Before we go on into the specific questions I want to get into with Heaney, I wanted to point out some of our comments. So we did a little preview article for this to let people know we were discussing it in VR, and some people left some comments on that article. Uh, one uh, Richard wrote that it smells like vaporware, which I love that comment because that's kind of that's what Apple. We've heard rumors of Apple headwear for so long that I, I can see how that would be people's take. 
one other uh, New Yorker wrote that at this point in the game, no one is too late. There's still a lot of room for improvement. I appreciate that perspective Definitely too on that. where we are with VR and AR. And then uh, the third comment here is today VR is just as much about the ecosystem as having the best hardware. Apple's obsession with secrecy means they might shoot themselves in the foot here as well. Devs can't dev for something they don't know exists. That's a great comment as well. And is Apple still capable of disrupting anything? It's been 14 years since the iPhone. Great comment too, though I will say they've disrupted the, the smartwatch market. All right. This is, I think, the core question, Heaney. Do you think Apple CEO Tim Cook truly sees the potential in VR? We know that Tim Cook doesn't fully believe in VR because in 2017, he was asked and he, he said that he didn't fully believe in VR in the same way he did AR. And he made some pretty disparaging comments about virtual reality, with his main concern being the fact that you're isolated. Though what we have to wonder is, since 2017 and now, what virtual reality experiences has Tim Cook tried? What internal prototypes at Apple has he tried and have those changed his mind? We can't know the answer to those questions. But what we do see is a headset that is now trending from AR, as we originally thought, and it was originally reported, to becoming a virtual reality headset. Although I, I don't think it's going to be in the same way as a Quest, a gaming-focused headset. I think what we're likely to see is something that is is a virtual reality headset, does play many VR apps, but that Apple's true goal for this headset is as a development kit for their glasses. And one of the interesting things we also heard in this Bloomberg report is that those AR glasses, which had been reported for years as likely coming in 2023, likely will not make it by that date because it's still in the architecture stage and the technologies behind it are very early. But we know that a lot of the tech giants have been working on AR glasses for years and a lot of them have had to delay it. So I don't think that says anything about AR at Apple specifically. The thing I think is a problem with Apple is they are going to want to access a market that's as large as the iPhone. They kind of transformed as a company from a computer company and an iPod company into a company that's in everyone's pockets using the iPhone as the way to do that. And if they get too distracted by the potential of AR being on everyone's head out in the real world, then they may ignore the potential of VR. And I guess I'm really curious, Heaney, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Heaney, is where do you think VR is going to be in a decade? And do you think Apple cares? Well, I think in a decade, virtual reality is going to be as much mixed reality because Long before AR glasses can do all of the magical things we want, like a virtual pet on your floor or directions across the road, virtual reality headsets with pass-through cameras are going to be able to do it so much better. And they're going to be able to go further than just placing objects. They're going to be able to fundamentally change your room. So I think in 10 years, when you put on a VR headset and start playing a game, the game is going to adapt not to an environment that the developer handcrafted, but to create a story or an engaging gameplay in the environment of your own home and your own room, or if you're outdoors, even the park. And using all that space is going to make it a much more immersive experience than standing around in a small circle and pressing a thumbstick while barely moving, which is what a lot of the VR is today, but I I doubt that will last. The VR in 10 years will be as unrelated to your physical environment as it is today. And I think Apple's Mm -hmm. headset is going to be able to deliver on that experience. If you look at the kind of developers that Apple is apparently talking to, they're AR developers. They're not VR developers. Even for this VR headset, I don't think Apple will approach it in the same way as Facebook has as a sort of very singular VR gaming product, but as more of a mixed reality product that also can do games. To bring up something you said earlier, the commenter that was discussing what controller Apple was using for this. Um, I don't think we're going to see, I think everyone knows that we're not going to see a touch controller here. We're not going to see a controller with thumbsticks and a trigger and a very gamery look that kind of just looks like a PlayStation controller cut in half. What we're hearing and what seems much more likely is that there will be more like the Gear VR or Daydream or Oculus Go controllers where it's, it's simplified, but will still deliver tracking. So that means it can still play games like Beat Saber, 
but I don't think you'll be playing some of the more advanced games where you're using thumbsticks and grip triggers and buttons all in very rapid succession. I don't think that's Apple's focus. I don't think that kind of hardcore gaming has ever been Apple's focus, although I do think there is a huge casual gaming market that will emerge in virtual and mixed reality. Mm. Yeah, those are really great comments, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I During that conversation, my cat jumped into my lap, and I, I love the illustration of, of my cat in VR because, you know, uh, the cat or dog in your room doesn't understand you're wearing a headset, doesn't know that you're seeing another place. And it's kind of a fundamental feature of these headsets to incorporate your actual life into the experience. And so like, here's my, here's my cat wanting in my lap again, the cat, a headset that recognizes your pet and immediately incorporates that into your experience and lets you see your cat, pet your cat and still do whatever you're doing in VR it's kind of a fundamental feature that we've kind of just ignored. It's like we're, we're forgiving it because this system is about gaming and it's about gaming in other worlds rather than gaming in your actual physical environment. So it's, it's not important to the current system that you can actually pet your cat in VR. And, and that's one of the things that kind of needs to change. And I think Facebook is going to work towards that. Like they, they do have the object recognition so that if you've got something blocking your play space, you get a little notification to kind of warn you, hey, maybe you should redraw your boundaries so that you don't hit something there. Or maybe you should move the object out of your play space so that you don't walk into it in VR. The, the flip side of that is I think what we're seeing from Facebook is they are working at the cutting edge of what they can do with uh, a standard chipset that is made by Qualcomm and pushing what they can do with that technology as far as they possibly can. One of the reasons Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg and others at Facebook have repeatedly said the reason why they are investing in VR to begin with is because it allows them to grow muscles and be competent at things where they weren't competent before. And it, if you look at Apple, they're kind of a decade or two ahead of, of that evolution. They have their own chips. We just saw that Apple switched over, started switching over their PC line to their own homegrown chips. And Facebook kind of needs to get there and develop their own chips in order to take VR to the next level and take AR to the next level. Because the AR headsets that we're going to have, the AR glasses that we'll have down the line, have to have powers of magnitude, better power consumption, and more efficient power consumption in order to slip a really small chip and a really small battery into the line of, of glasses and have that really work. And you have to kind of develop your own technology to do that. Right now, Facebook is very much piggybacking off of other people's technology to make that possible. The question I have for you, Heaney, is what advantage do you think Apple's going to have in developing their own chips? Is it going to make a big difference? Are we going to be able to see Half-Life Alex running on a standalone headset because it's running Apple Silicon? So you're absolutely right to say that Apple's big advantage is their custom silicon. And it means that they can deliver better performance and lower power consumption than Facebook, which means they can make a smaller headset that can run for the same amount of time, or they can make a, a bulkier headset that can run more powerful games. I don't think, if you look at Apple's hardware engineering over the past decade, it wouldn't be very Apple to focus on raw performance in a, in a portable device like that that's worn on the head. But we do have Mark Gurman's report from Bloomberg this month does mention that this headset, reportedly the chips being tested in it, and remember it's still about a year out, are actually more powerful than the M1 chip in the, in the current MacBook Pros. But to be clear, that chip is not powerful enough already to run Half-Life Alex, and likely nor will something that you're putting in your head. Because on, without the power of a console or a PC, a game like Half-Life Alex is really five years at minimum, probably 10 years off from being able to run on a mobile chip. And to be clear, I'm excluding Valve specifically remaking the game with lower quality assets on purpose. I think we're more likely to see Alex come to PlayStation VR 2 before that. But mm. Apple's other huge advantage is their, is their ecosystem integration. And this is something that Facebook cannot fight. 
In fact, it's one of the core reasons Facebook wants to be a platform owner in the AR VR age is because they aren't a platform owner in the smartphone tablet age. And with that integration and the existing AR kit that Apple has built on iPhone, they can work from a place that Facebook has to build from scratch. And when you combine that with their chips, this is going to be as a piece of hardware, a competitive product. Although, as we've heard in this Bloomberg report, it looks like Apple is is intending on pricing it very high and isn't anticipating very many units. So this is the problem. No matter what Apple's advantages are here, their business model is to make a high margin on the hardware products. And I'm not sure how well that's going to work against Facebook, which is selling at cost or a, or a loss. So even the fact that it is going to be less powerful using a Qualcomm chip than Apple's, even the fact that Facebook doesn't have the ability to get to, to build really small, really tightly integrated products that only Apple can, that headset's going to be smaller, lighter, more compact than Quest. Even without the technological advances of two years, that would have happened. But does it matter if very few people buy it? I mean, th- like mm. that projection that we saw in, in this article is really astonishing. So specifically, 200,000 retail units per year. In comparison, the iPhone sells 200 million. Even the HomePod, <laughs> their Alexa competitor, that speaker that, do you know anyone with it? Even that ships 5 to 10 million per year. So we're talking about something that ships less than an order of magnitude less. I I wonder what is the price here or what is the reason that these Apple insiders are thinking this because that seems astonishingly low to me. You know, it it comes down to product focus, right? The rumors we're hearing now make it really hard for us to picture the use cases Apple is actually going to zero in on for this device. So there's things like exercise, communication, you know, actually getting work done, work-based communication in VR. There's media consumption, there's gaming, and there's the new brand of gaming that you'd kind of described that, that it's a very interesting way of putting it that maybe if Apple starts with an environmental understanding of your room that Facebook can't match right now. And, you know, you go and you actually got a real physical table here. And when you put your hand on it, you tap it. That. If Apple can start there and make its games work from that reality of, of, of basing everything that it does in physical reality, how much does that change the product focus and what you actually do with that device? You know, I, I remember when the original Apple Watch came out, it, it takes three generations. I, I, the joke is that you kind of wait for generation three before buying into these hardware platforms because generations one and two are just about getting the bare bones of the experience down. And, you know, first few generations of Apple Watch weren't really appealing to me. But by generation three, I kind of saw some utility for myself, actually getting out, working out, and and getting all of my activity tracking in there. But before the Apple Watch came out, there was a lot of different competing watch ideas. There was sleep trackers and... Apple like abandoned sleep tracking for a while. And, you know, there's these things they kind of leave out of the devices until they're ready. I think the thing I kind of want to understand is uh, I kind of feel like a VR headset is doomed if it doesn't connect to Steam. Even if it's a standalone headset, um, there's too much good stuff on Steam and too much that people want to do on Steam. Do you think Apple could have success if if they just ignore Steam? Do you think Quest wouldn't have succeeded if it couldn't connect to a PC? I, I think I think I don't think the amount of people that have a gaming computer is significantly large enough to really warrant that. I, I think these products succeed and Quest is succeeding because they're standalone. Maybe Apple will allow it to connect to the Mac to be more powerful. We've seen sort of Apple experiment that a few years ago with their partnership with HTC to bring the Vive Pro to Mac. As to whether we'll actually see it connect to Steam VR specifically, I I doubt it. And I don't think it's Apple's product focus at all, to be honest. I I don't think Mm. Apple has a strong relationship with Valve, but I don't think it's key to this product at all. But you were just mentioning content before. I think we do have a clue of what sort of content we can see by looking at Apple's past two acquisitions. So as far as I know, and there may have been a few more, but Apple's made four primary acquisitions in the VRAR space. In 2017, 
it acquired a company called Vervana, and they were one of the pioneers in using pass-through cameras on a VR headset to deliver mixed reality, AR, whatever you want to call it, bringing the real world through those cameras in a convincing way and being able to alter it. In 2018, they acquired Aconia Holographics, and that is likely for their AR glasses. But their last two acquisitions, May 2020, Next VR live event streaming. August 2020, Spaces, a video conferencing app that delivers some of the same features that we're using here right now. And I think that's where Apple's going to focus here. I think they're going to focus on some of the use cases that Facebook had targeted with Oculus Go, but have kind of shied away from because I think they've misdiagnosed the the quote-unquote failure of Go as being a problem with the approach rather than a problem with the hardware. And I think if Apple delivers that, as, as I think they will, we're going to see a headset that is a competitor to Quest and isn't because it does a lot of the things that Quest does okay a lot better. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to take it on in gaming. The thing I kind of have a problem with is I feel like Facebook has room in its product lineup now for a high-end Quest. I think that they could put... Uh, facial sensors inside the headset to really recognize your eye movements and your face movements and really make this experience that we're having now light years better, a whole magnitude better of just being able to feel like I'm here and present with you because that's been the long-term goal of Facebook to begin with. This is about, they use this term at Facebook called defying distance. It became a rallying cry a couple years ago, defying distance. And I've talked to people at Valve where they also saw the idea of being able to be with someone despite incredible distance between them. And we're doing the exact example of of that right now. I look forward to coming into the studio every week because I get to see my coworkers. I've never met Heaney, but I feel like I know him really well just because we feel present together and can really know how to read each other's everything. I can read your expressions and know when you want to talk, but we're doing that on the basis of, of such little information. When I look at him, my eyes draw to him and it kind of assumes that I'm looking at Heaney and you could do that much more impressively with actual real eye tracking, but all of those additional sensors add cost to the system. And what we're seeing in the current quest is a $300 machine that they've torn out everything that they've considered unnecessary, even the halo strap, even the strap that will make the thing not feel like a brick on your face after 15 minutes. Facebook has decided that that's an optional addition to the Quest experience rather than a necessary addition. So they're making very shrewd choices about how do we reach the absolute minimum price so that no one can beat us on price with a better experience. But once they do that, I feel like there's room for an index killer that's still a standalone, but also does a lot of these other things with additional sensors. You know, one of the questions that keeps coming up is, I see this in our comments, is Apple any worse than Facebook? And I kind of am frustrated by that discussion because it's almost like people are conflating discussions about capitalism versus communism with whether a company is ethical or not or whether they like their business model. And it's kind of frustrating the way people kind of don't dive into the technical stack of each of these companies and how they actually gather data, use data, how their profit model is related to that data. All those things are more important than just what is ethical. You you can make this argument that all companies out there are unethical because they require people working for next to nothing in China to actually provide us with uh, these new technologies. And it's kind of hard to conflate that reality that all these companies have to do business in really ugly ways with honest policies about the way they handle data and what they do with it. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that's going to go out and say, I'm not buying anything Facebook. I'm not buying anything Microsoft or Google just because of something like that. Sorry, folks, we're having some audio issues today. Again, we, we apologize. We'll try to get them solved for next week. So what, what we would say here is that these are both gigantic for-profit mega corporations. The difference is that one makes that profit 
through a large margin in the hardware, i.e. they sell the hardware for a lot more than it costs them to make, and that's Apple. And the other right now, at this point, makes their money off targeted advertising. Facebook collects a lot of data about you. They feed that data into their system and it decides what is the next product that you would like to purchase. It serves you an advertisement for that. And when you click on that, they get money. Those are very different business models. But we don't know what Facebook's long-term business model is in virtual reality and augmented reality yet. That is a big open question. It's possible that they, they would just like to get the store cut, which is that every digital transaction within virtual reality, be that buying an app or buying an item, they get 30% or 10% or whatever it might be. But it's also possible that in the long term, Facebook wants to bring its core business model into VR and AR to offer maybe even very heavily subsidized hardware, which would be super interesting to see. But in that case, you would then have targeted advertising. The problem here is that while you may look at those two business models and say, you know, one of them is more pro-customer and one of them is more for the advertisers, and, and that is very true. Most people in the world just don't have the money to buy Apple products. They just do not have the disposable income. Apple is the largest tech company by profit, but not by volume. There are many more Android phones in the world than iPhones. There are many more Windows laptops than MacBooks. The question is, will Apple take that same strategy into the AR, VR world, which is so all-encompassing? And the answer might be yes. If they think they can make more money off selling to a small portion of wealthy users than to a mass market, that's what they're going to do. But Facebook is going to come at it from the other side and try to get as many people as they can. And it's going to be very interesting to see those two companies come head to head because Apple really hasn't seen this type of competition before. Apple has always been against a fragmented ecosystem where some people make the hardware and others make the software. And Facebook is like Apple coming at VR AR from a vertical integration approach. They want to make every element of it. And eventually they want to be making their own chips. And we know they're already starting to work on that. One of the questions I saw out there that I want you to get into is what role do you think LiDAR is going to play? Can you explain the the theories out there about how LiDAR can differentiate Apple's product? So most of the positional tracking systems and headsets we have today use regular cameras. They're either black and white or color cameras. And from that from that information, they will try to find the key points in your room. And as you move around, they can find out where you are relative to key features. Now, there's another way to do positional tracking. Well, there are a few other ways to do positional tracking, but there's a similar way to do it inside out, which is to use a different type of sensor called a LiDAR. Now, LiDAR will give you depth information, but not color, and the resolution will be much lower than a typical camera. So you inherently get depth information from a LiDAR, but you don't get the same sort of color and detailed sort of photographic information that you would get from a camera. So you could have... So right now, this Oculus Quest 2... While we have no evidence of this, theoretically, Mark Zuckerberg could put a backdoor on it and see a room. Theoretically. I don't know why he would do that, but he could. It's a hardware possibility. If Apple built a headset... The light will turn on. Light on. We do, yeah, we do yes, understand that the, yes. the lights will at least turn on. Yeah. There is a second light other than the power light in both Oculus Quest headsets, which is hardwired to those cameras. So once it's on, if those cameras are receiving power, which they need to be able to capture an image, so is that light. So you do have that hardware safety. But I'm just saying hypothetically here, it is a camera, so it has that physical potential to capture images. If a device built with LiDAR, if it just had LiDAR and no cameras, would be able to find its position in your room by seeing everything as just objects, just geometry, but with no detail on it. And if Apple did that for a headset, they would have less capabilities in terms of they wouldn't be able to identify specific objects in the same way Facebook could. It could be less useful in certain contexts, but mostly they could probably deliver the same experience. You wouldn't be able to get passed through, of course, but it would be a raw AR headset. And that's what we've heard Apple may do with their AR glasses. But the problem with doing that approach in a headset is that you then don't get passed through. You can't see into the real world because it's just a LiDAR. You could theoretically have a LiDAR pass-through mode where everything was just geometry, and I would love to try that. I think it would be super interesting to see if that would really work. But for now, you're going to need cameras to deliver that sort of mixed reality they want. But it is an interesting approach because Apple already has a LiDAR on their iPad Pro and on their high-end iPhone now. I love that. I love that explanation. And I think 
to kind of use a, a real simple example of how this trade-off might happen privacy-wise, let's say you've got a magazine on this table. Let's say this is a physical table in your real room, and you've got a magazine open to the middle. And you've got some, you know, whether it's a picture or an article that you were just reading, open on that magazine. In theory, a LiDAR system would never be able to figure out what article you read. Maybe they could, like, infer the thickness of the magazine to try to figure out what kind of magazines are that level of thickness. But the LiDAR-only system can't discern the texture of the page and, and can't read the words on it. So it can't backwards um, reverse engineer what's actually on that page using just the geometry of the magazine. And if you've got pictures on the wall, you've got you've got a lot of things that could fit those criteria that are just by design protected uh, because they're it, the 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 system can't discern that detail. Now these camera based systems, they might be able to reverse engineer some of those things and figure out some of the things that are in your environment, the brand of couch you bought, the the type of um, food you've got in your kitchen. They could, you know, discern maybe the words on the front of the box using the cameras. But I, I love your explanation that you've, you you kind of have to have both systems. You do kind of have to have a system that's capturing visual data in order to get a useful pass-through experience. And I want to have a really useful pass-through experience. I will say that I think the XR3 from Vario um, – I believe has LiDAR on it. The, the latest XR3 from them has LiDAR as well. LiDAR. So it'd be very interesting to test. Yeah, it would be really interesting to test out the way they're using it. And even more to the point, how they're showing other people in the room, which of those sensors is being used at any moment. Are they doing anything to notify that those people, and if you're, if you're buying that device, you're a high-end business user, maybe they... They assume that you know what you're doing and you're going to be in environments where people know what those sensors are capturing. And in, but, in general, um, the Varjo is connected to a computer, which is running Steam VR. And most businesses using that headset are running their own software that they've developed themselves or that they've contracted a software company to make. So businesses wouldn't really be concerned about that unless they were using Varjo software. And as far as I know, Varjo currently have no plans to produce end user software. Now, what's interesting, again, though, uh, Apple's model is to develop its own hardware. And so there might be, at some point down the line, some kind of sensor that is a combination of both of these things, captures visual data and sends out light to measure distances around it. But maybe it's locked within a proprietary Apple stack that makes it very hard to hack. One of the things we've gone back on is if you go back to the original... You go back to the original Oculus Rift, they had three sensors that you would place up around the room, and uh, you've got a better explanation of this than I do, but those sensors could be converted into kind of workable webcams that only saw in grayscale. If you really hacked the system and dug in, you could convert and get a usable image out of those original sensors. I'd argue the Quest camera system seems to be architected in a much more secure way than that original system. So what you're seeing is a progression in privacy from one generation to the next, even in Facebook's own hardware development. The question is, what's the next generation? In 2022, can Facebook uh, lock it up even tighter than they already have? That's what Andrew Bosworth over at Facebook, the head of Facebook's VR program, said in his recent um memo to the team is that we need to be architecting these things and differentiating ourselves on a basis of privacy. And I think that's an, a really clever, smart, uh, strategic point from Facebook, because if Facebook isn't differentiating, differentiating itself on the basis of hard of privacy, then Apple is, and they don't want to be following Apple's privacy models going forward. I, I really doubt that Andrew Bosworth's attempts to reposition Facebook as a privacy-first company are going to work with the people who are concerned about privacy. What I would say is the, the evidence of the technology market shows that most consumers don't put privacy very high on their list of priorities. That's not to say they don't care about it, 
But I think even even if this attempt does fail, and even if people still in five years from now consider Facebook to be a shady company that doesn't take privacy seriously, which is what a lot of people feel about Facebook, that is the reality, they'll still be able to sell a lot of products to people who are fine with trading that off if it's a fifth of the price of the Apple alternative. And I think Mm. this is why it's disappointing that it's great that we're seeing Apple come in as competition, but from the signs of it, this is going to be a one to $2,000 product. And that's not really the kind of competition that Mark Zuckerberg really stays up late at night about. It's, I think what we really need if we want healthy competition in this market is an open operating system that's similar to how Android worked in the phone market just after iPhone, that any headset maker can build a VR headset and load this on and it will have a store, it will have tracking, it will have user accounts, it will have all of these things that they don't want to do as a hardware company. And if we're just going to get two vertically integrated closed proprietary companies battling it out, there really needs to be a third space there to have healthy competition. Otherwise, it's just, if you realistically, at the end of the day, it's just, if you're rich and you can afford it, you protect your privacy with the Apple headset. If you can't, you get the Facebook headset. And that would be a, a very disappointing position for the virtual reality market to be in. And to be to be fair there, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about the perceptions of the audience out there, not the actual way that these devices are going to be architected or how they use data. There's, Heaney was very careful earlier in the conversation of, of specifying that there's the people out there who, I'm seeing a lot of people out there who are, you know, going and setting up dummy Facebook accounts just to use an Oculus Quest. And I think that's a perfectly legitimate way of trying to have the best of both worlds. You, you basically, uh, I did that essentially a couple of years ago. I deleted my entire Facebook account. I downloaded all my data. Then I deleted the account and I set up a fresh account that didn't have 10 years of history stored in it. And that's how I chose to use it. But there's people setting up, trying to set up uh, accounts with fake names or even with their real name, but with nothing in it, just to use an Oculus Quest. And the problem is, I don't know that in many cases Sorry, those people get banned. In many cases, trying mm-hmm. to do that gets banned. I feel like trying to work around this isn't going to work in the long term because even if you're not banned in the short term, all it takes is one update to their detection system in a few months' time and you're gone. And a few people have had that problem. I think the problem goes deeper than that. It's not that people care that Facebook has all this past data on them, it's that with the new data and memories and experiences and conversations they're having in VR, some people just don't trust Facebook to be the arbiter of that or to have any involvement in that. There's some people who, mm. who, who rightly or wrongly would not put on a VR headset made by Facebook and say anything remotely private, even in a private session. There are real privacy concerns. And if you look at Microsoft in the 1990s, they were a, a massive tech company with near monopoly position with a very bad reputation. And they kind of worked it off after a few decades. And that's Probably what Facebook is hoping hoping will happen, but as to whether they can actually pull that off, I doubt it. But again, the market of people who are who are fine with this trade off and think that that is acceptable for the value that they are getting on a three hundred dollar product that realistically probably should cost twice this. There's still going to be a lot of people that take that path. One th- uh, one thing about the banning uh, issue with Facebook that I need to kind of say is that. If you get banned by Facebook or you get locked out of your headset, it's very easy for you to make a stink about it and get noticed. So uh, it's very, there's a lot of people out there that want to upvote those reports. And that can make it seem like a more common issue than it actually is. We haven't heard really solid figures of how, how common it is. We have seen a lot of the reports, but again, that may be a very, very, very small fraction of a larger issue. But I will say that my que- I'm wearing a VR cover right now. Um, I got the VR cover because my head started to break out in pimples after using the Oculus Quest 2 for months, but using uh, it several days, you know, for a couple weeks in a row where I did very heavy exercises using Supernatural. And then I noticed my head was breaking out in, in pimples, uh, getting uh aggravated a little bit so i went and got the vr cover to replace the facial interface on the oculus quest 2 and try to ensure that uh if i put the headset on myself or put on the headset on someone else i'm not going to make them i'm not going to uh 
upset their skin uh, on their face just because I'm using this uh, system. The reason I bring that up is because Facebook actually did release a figure there. It was a very, very small percentage. But they released a number saying that they had received a small number of reports of people saying they actually had this issue with the facial interface. But the way it was worded and the way it was it was suggested that, you know, those were people who had reported to Facebook before there was any press, before there was a single headline out there saying that this was a potential issue. And then Facebook released this number saying it was a very, 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 very small percentage of the customers who have actually reported issues. But uh, people out there, we, we reported the number, we put it in the headline. I can't remember what the actual percentage was. But after that report came out, I would love to know how many people have spoken up. What percentage is it now of people who have spoken up and said, actually, yeah, I have that issue too. And I need to get a, a new facial interface for the Quest 2 from Facebook. Because, yeah, my face has been a little bit uh, aggravated by, by the Quest. We don't have that number. And I think that's typical of the fear people have for Facebook in kind of only sharing the statistics that make them look good. And I get that. I understand the motivation of a company to only share the statistics that look good. But in Andrew Bosworth's note to internal company employees, he called Facebook a broker of information. And I think that's uh, the word I use is a filter. You are allowing another company uh, another group of people and engineers to filter what your perception of the real world is. And at the end of the day, we need to know whether these filters are objective and neutral or whether they actually make choices about what you see. And that can have it can have dramatic effects that we're exploring on a, on a week in week out week out basis. And to your point, there's a lot of people that don't trust Facebook to be that filter, to be that broker of data between people. And I don't know if anyone trusts Apple or Google or Microsoft. The fact is it's, we've got a lot of evidence here that we can't trust any corporation to meddle in the interactions between people. And it's not just, you know, I like your comments about an open source system, but I don't know how we get from what we have today to an open source base. It doesn't have to be open source. It just has to be open in the sense that as long as it's a, we'll just wait for Ian to reconnect there. Again, apologies for the tech issues we're having today. We'll try to get them sorted for next week. But uh, one of the points I was going to make, just looking at the comments here, a few people saying Apple are doing the same thing. And, you know, I want to be clear, I'm not one of those people who says you shouldn't use Facebook. Or I think you should make your own decision on things like that. But if you look at these two companies, they do have very different business models. And Apple, in many cases, architects its devices to process things locally, whereas Facebook and Google will always tend to architect theirs to process things remotely. So if you look at something like even Apple security system, where you can set up a camera and have your Apple TV or iPad be the way to access that, the processing of faces is done on that iPad or that Apple TV. On Google's equivalent Nest system, on Amazon's equivalent system, all that processing is done in the cloud. And in many ways, you could argue this isn't that Apple's no saint. They're not doing this because they love their users. They're doing this because they can do it with a, with a wide hardware margin. They can put in the hardware to do this kind of local processing. Face matching on Apple Photos is done on your iPhone. Face matching on Google Photos is done on Google's cloud. All of these ways that these systems are architected mean that even if Apple was evil, they don't have your data to do anything with. And that's what a lot of people like about Apple. And that's why Apple have built up. I don't even own many Apple products myself. I think I own maybe one or two. But Apple has built up a very strong brand of privacy that does come from reality. And it's that fact that they process things locally and they very rarely collect data and they don't have a targeted advertising system. And to, to be fair, Andrew Bosworth, in his note, more or less suggested to in the, all the employees at Facebook that they need to follow that model. They, they've basically, Facebook has been directed, Facebook's uh, uh, 
Facebook Reality Labs division has more or less been directed to focus on doing more things locally. And if you need to send stuff back to the server, you better have a very, very, very strong case for why that's absolutely necessary. So I think Facebook is trying to get there. Um, VR, one thing AR, I don't think we've talked about... Because of the le- Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm holding my iPhone in my hand right now. And what do you think of the iPhone or iPads being a critical input device. I like that you've got this mock-up pad here, you know, Star Trek-like pad. Do you think it's likely we could use iPhones and iPads as input devices for this future headset? As input devices, definitely. And again, that's one of Apple's advantages. They have this ecosystem. The devices that you already own can be integrated into their AR, VR products. So of course, typing in the air on a virtual keyboard like this, or even a tablet like this, it's not a great experience. You couldn't type very quickly like this with current hand tracking and even with perfect hand tracking. It's floating in the air. There's no tap, there's no tactile, <laughs> there's no haptic feedback. There's no tactile feel to it. If you can have even a virtual keyboard on an iPhone would be a great leap in user experience. If they can just have it so that when you want to type something in, you feel a little buzz in your pocket, so you know where your phone is, you pick it up and you look down on it and you can see it either superimposed through pass-through or even just be it's on its position, a virtual version of it with a keyboard and you can physically touch it with your hands, that's going to make text input a lot easier. I, I We've covered a lot of ground here. I would love to hear any comments. If you've got any questions or comments that you'd like us to cover before we wrap up today, please leave them in the YouTube comments. We can read them live here in VR, and we'll try to get them answered and talk about them a little bit. It's the The phone interaction thing is funny to me because if you think back to the original Vive, that was one of the pitches when the Vive came out in 2016 was that it would have phone integration and you could get notifications in VR of what's happening on your phone and maybe have a call routed from the phone to your Vive and, and take a call out that way. I just last night, I, I noticed that um, I don't know when this was added. I, I forget, but on the iPhone casting of quest to iphone you can now record with audio your your play session in vr and it's really essential like i might be able to get a good recording out of an iphone now of my vr experience in a quest with audio and i that's so much more useful to me than uh, a couple years ago or even like last year than that that kind of casting feature so it's it's very clear that the integration between phones and headsets is is finally starting to get to where the promise was in 2016 but it's slow going and that's going to be one of one of apple's advantages for sure like you said integrating with their software services as well will be a big boost facebook has to build all this from scratch apple can have it so that you can watch apple movies and apple tv plus beside someone in vr with a friend because they own that they own that pipeline they build for apple tv plus They're the producers. They can license it to themselves. Facebook struggle to deliver anything like that because they just can't get the partnerships. Netflix doesn't want to let one person pay for a subscription and have two people uh, pay for it or even take the time because why would you? VR is too small a market. But if you look at what Apple did, what Steve Jobs did with iTunes, he introduced that kind of digital digital purchasing model and universal simple purchasing model that really pushed the industry forward. And I think in VR, when it comes to the content that already exists, we could see Apple pulling in that huge library and bringing it into VR in a way that Facebook simply cannot do in the near term. Because again, Facebook is building up a platform from scratch and Apple is kind of, Apple can just take their existing platforms and modify it for virtual reality and bring in everything they already have. And it's going to be very hard for Facebook to compete against that. But again, mm-hmm. only if Apple wants to Because what I really wonder is, let's say this headset in 2022, let's say the internal Apple people are wrong. Let's say it sells far, far more units than they thought because VR is a larger market. Does Apple follow it up with a more mainstream product in the same way we've seen the iPhone SE and now the iPhone 12 mini? Sometimes you do see Apple say, okay, we could get this market very quickly with existing parts and an existing kind of momentum if we just delivered a lower cost product. So I'm really hoping that after this headset, 
if it is a success, which I think it will be, we'll see Apple come along and directly compete with Facebook within Apple VR SE. And that's what that's the only thing that's really going to scare Facebook because uh, these sort of products aren't going to. So I want to answer, I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to thank Alec Azam for a donation, just donated us uh, some money. Thank you so much. That really helps us. And if anyone out there wants to donate, we would really appreciate it. Um, Alec Azam's question was uh, saying, join late, but are the rumors true? Is it going to be an 8K by 8K lens? I'm wondering if that's a meaning an 8K by 8K display. What do you think is going to happen on the display? So that 8K by 8K rumor is from the original reports where Apple was working on a wireless box that you would place in your room and it would actually do all the processing and it would send across the video signal to your headset. And that means they could deliver a sort of very high fidelity experience. What we do know from the reports, or at least what's being reported by both Bloomberg and the information, is that this headset that Apple is now making, which is a different headset, a more Oculus Quest-like headset, has higher resolution than even the Quest 2, which uses a nearly 4K panel. Will it be 8K by 8K? Probably not, because even even if they can source displays like that, powering them in a mobile device is just not really practical. Because when you moved from when they moved from this idea of a wireless box, that's moving from basically the same thing as PC VR to now mobile VR. And it's a, it, when it comes to what you can do in that power envelope. It's night and day. And unfortunately, I really doubt we'll see dual 8K displays in this now. But I would love to be wrong. Yeah. one The last thing I wanted to get into, and we'll look at any last comments before. Uh, so if there's any last questions, we'll try to get to those right before we close out today. But I want to go back to something you mentioned about acquisitions. You talked about Spaces, VRVana, and NextVR. I want to go back a little bit further than that. And Apple bought a company called FaceShift. And I remember being at some of the earliest VR meetups in like 2016. Uh, those aren't earliest VR meetups. There were VR meetups for decades. But like in this shift over the last 10 years, I went to some of these meetups. And I remember seeing a guy from FaceShift there showing off the technology. And what he did was uh, he just changed himself from a human to uh, a uh an animal like that, and then had all of his facial expressions mapped onto this animal. And then he changed himself into a whole bunch of avatars. And it was very clear to see the future of the technology play out right there. What Apple has done is they bought FaceShift, and then they took a couple of years to integrate it into their hardware. And now the Animoji and Memoji that you use on Apple products sends out an avatar-based version of your persona out across the internet to another person. And it would be very easy for Apple to take that and incorporate it into a VR experience. You put on a VR headset and people who aren't there with you actually appear in 3D in your space as these kinds of avatars. And we haven't quite experienced a really, really great example of that kind of social interaction. And if Apple nails that, if Apple gets that right, where you can make a call from FaceTime and then be represented as a full 3D or maybe just a head, a floating head, but if you can actually see that floating head in 3D represented by the expressions of someone you love, then you know that that's their actual expressions driving that avatar. That's something that Facebook is trying to get to, but doesn't have the presence to do yet. It doesn't have all those devices. And I would love to see what where, where Facebook takes that. And it makes me wonder whether the Apple headset will have those sensors on it in order to make all that possible. I feel like while they would be able to get it into the cost envelope of this product, if they're trying to position it from a privacy perspective... It's going to be difficult to come at that if your product can scan people's faces and their facial expressions, whereas the one from the company called Facebook can't. It, it feels like it would be a difficult privacy sell there, but I, I, I can definitely see it coming in future products. But with, with these acquisitions and face shift, as you say, it's all about getting computer vision talent. And there really is a big race in all these companies to, to mop up as much 
as many talented computer vision engineers as possible. Because what makes all of the things that we've been discussing possible is computer vision. And computer vision is just, it's a subfield of machine learning that involves processing the visual images from cameras and other sensors through machine learning systems to reduce useful output. So it's behind how Oculus Quest can track your controllers, how it can track your room, how it can recognize your guardian boundary. And all the future features we're likely to see will be coming from that kind of computer vision talent. And the problem is that in recent years, Apple has actually started to fall behind in AI because of their culture of not publishing openly. Whereas you have Google, Facebook, and Amazon, and these other tech giants sort of barring from the same talent pool and having a constant rotating doors of talent because they're all within this open publishing ecosystem. And what what caused Siri to kind of go into obsolescence for a few years and still be significantly behind its competitors, despite Apple having stacks and stacks of cash. And they've tried to throw money at Siri for years and years and years, but they weren't able to get anywhere because they were just lacking this core machine learning and computer vision talent because of that decision. Now, in recent years, Apple's starting to publish. They're starting to get more into into this kind of ecosystem of talent. And they're realizing that they need this. And even though their company culture is so, so specific about you don't talk about unannounced products until the day they're announced, you don't even hint at them until you're ready, they're going to have to I think in this decade, we may see that shift for the first time from Apple just because they have to get that AI talent. And Facebook is that is Facebook's core tech advantage here. Apple has those better chips, but Facebook is, depending on who you ask, number one or number two in the world when it comes to machine learning right now. They have invested billions of dollars and serious thought from the very top to try and bring Facebook AI to world class. And they've done it. And now they're unleashing that power into devices like this. And if Apple doesn't take the modern tech company approach to artificial intelligence, it's going to have some serious problems with these products, just as we've seen with Siri and a few other of Apple's artificial intelligence projects. Because fundamentally, these VR and AR headsets, as we go forward, are going to have to not just respond to your direct intent, but over time, contextually figure out what you want them to do. And that's going to take serious machine learning research and years of carefully trying to get there. Yeah, I really, that's a really interesting way to go full circle. We started this discussing sort of what's going to be the consumer use case. And we've gotten to the kind of core of the, of, of what these companies are doing to differentiate from one another. And that's in the way they hire people and how big their teams are and the perks they give those people. And I think that's going to be such a fascinating thing to see play out over the next couple of years. The thing that I, I think is, I don't think it's apparent to the people you know, a lot of our customers and a lot of people who view us, Facebook, the money any of these companies will pay for a good engineer is shocking. You, you, you can't really comprehend how rich you could be going to work at Apple or Facebook um, and going out the full length of your contract and, you know, having stock fest over that period it's it's life changing in a way that most people don't really realize that like you would think most places are going to pay you well you go you go and apply for your jobs facebook might double it and pay double what you think you would get at any other company and if we go down the list apple may not be paying uh as much for these core engineers that you're discussing as facebook and and they may be able to get those people in the door. But there's another element to that. It's not just money. It's where you live. And it's being able to work from home. And it's the perks that you get. Do you get unlimited vacation? And all those things are enabled by this technology itself. And it's it's going to be really curious to see if, like, at some point I would imagine Facebook giving a VR headset to every one of its employees in order to enable them to work from home more easily. Right now, that's kind of absurd because you don't want to be asking your employees to work in these headsets for eight hours. You're you're asking them to quit their job if you do that. But we could get to a point where these headsets are good enough that you could do your eight hours of work from VR and you want all of your employees to have that hardware. And it, it's going to be so interesting to see kind of like the 
the evolution of these companies internally and whether they're actually able to, who's going to evolve first and, and which ones are going to enable truly work from home experiences in the next few years. Zuckerberg has publicly said that by 2030, he wants 50% of Facebook's workforce to be working from home. And if you look into the details of what he said, it's pretty clear that what he means is everyone that works on software will be working at home and everyone who works on hardware, i.e. they have to be there with a physical presence on actual hardware, will work in the office. And that really is the first tech company that's made such a bold ambition. And not only that they're going to do that, but that they're going to build the hardware and software that doesn't exist yet to let that happen. And it'll be interesting to see if that doesn't happen, Facebook's long-term future for VR and AR is either flawed or is failed because by 10 years, that should be perfectly possible. But another interesting thing, you're talking about you know, the money and attracting talent. And you know, as I said before, when it comes to the AI community, you do have to be part of this sort of open publishing kind of system. But it's also Zuckerberg realized a few years ago that one of the smartest things you can do to keep this talent is just to treat them incredibly well. Facebook, before all of the news stories about Cambridge Analytica and that entire issue started to kind of change this, Facebook, I think for four or five years in, in a row, won the best major tech company to work for in terms of actual employee conditions. And that's really not insignificant because these technologies that are going to come in the future, they don't invent themselves and they don't magically become go from lab projects to consumer products by themselves. It takes real hard work from people who are experts in the field, who have worked on their entire life, who need to be at a company with a team that they're passionate about and directed towards it. And I'll just have a look in the comments here to see if there's anyone asking anything. Yes, you're absolutely right. I am uh, Hotep, the, the game lion. Sorry, it's quite difficult to see the resolution on the tablet here. It, it it really is on whether those engineers are excited about what they're working on. And for Facebook, AR and VR is their big project. It's, it's, their, it's their future. For Apple, it's one of many things. The iPhone sells 200 million units a year. The iPad sells 50 million. The MacBook sells, what is it, 20 or 30 million? These are huge products that they are not going to abandon anytime soon or take their top talent off anytime soon. And unfortunately... As we've heard, there's been turmoil in, in Apple's AR VR group, which is called the Technology Development Group, Technology Development Group, TDG, and it's led by Mike Rockwell. And we've heard that there's been quite a lot of turmoil as the vision that they originally wanted, which was this very powerful system. There was a wireless box that connects to your headset wirelessly and can provide these very high fidelity PC-like experiences. That was watered down by upper management. They decided to change it to, to, to a mobile, more streamlined product. And you have to wonder, what were the feelings of the engineers in that group after that when their entire product vision was changed? But then again, you may wonder what happened at Facebook when, this, when a similar thing happened in that they started with this very, very extreme focus on PC with mobile as a secondary thing. And today they don't sell a dedicated PC headset and their focus is very much so on mobile. So I'm sure those things have happened at both companies, but it really, I, I really would like to hear about what the morale is in Apple after such a dramatic change of the core concept of the product itself. Mm, that's a great way of putting it. I, I'm going to read out a couple comments here and we'll wrap up for today. Thank you all for joining us. I love these comments here. Uh, Mike saying, I would like to volunteer to work eight hours a day in VR. They can study me to see how fast it kills me. I don't mind. And then uh, I like RG's comment here saying, VR is best used to control killer robots. Because, uh, yeah, I think that's ultimately uh, the, the An biggest interesting fear. one from see something cool E1360 VR here uh, saying that you, you like that Facebook, like, oh, sorry, that you're just mentioning that Facebook recently tried to hire the Decadier emplo employees. And that is a headset releasing hopefully in a few months, which may bring some innovation to the PC space in terms of having hip tracking and other advanced features and being available at, with the HB Reverb G2's resolution, but at a much lower cost. What, what I would say about that, though, is Facebook tries to hire everyone in the AR VR space. They, they really, if you look at their employee growth in AR VR, every year it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Facebook really wants to be 
a platform holder in the next generation of computing. They don't want to be on other people's, they don't want to be on Apple and Google's phones. They don't want to be on Apple and Google's devices. They want to own the device and the product. They want everything, just like Apple has and just like Google in many ways has. So they are hiring everyone they possibly can right now. And we, we see all the time, if an AR VR company goes bust, you look at some of their LinkedIn listings for their engineers a few months later, they're at Facebook. Sometimes you see the move from HTC to Facebook. When Google scaled down its Daydream project, what do you know? You look on LinkedIn and a bunch of those people, they now work at Facebook. So I'm not surprised to see Facebook try to acquire everyone. Uh, and we know that a lot of people have gotten job offers. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a very uh, illuminating discussion. I'm glad I could finally get into this with Heaney. Tune in on Thursday where we'll have a game-focused discussion with David, well, probably with David and Jamie getting into the latest games. And we're going to be back here with more hardware news next Monday. Monday is our hardware day and Thursday is our games day. So one comment I just want to touch on here is James O'Loughlin saying uh, Boz had said that Facebook wants to remain in the PC space because that's where the productivity apps exist. I would say I'm I'm not suggesting that Facebook has any intentions to leave the PC space. Why would they? They can make money in the PC space. They have a platform there that the head, the Quest headset now can connect to a PC. It's an officially supported way. But it's just if you look at their focus on when when they're developing the system software, they're no longer developing the Rift Dash on PC. In fact, as far as we know, it will be sunsetted at some point this year. They're no longer, when they do bring their productivity apps out, like Spatial and Immersed, they run natively on Quest. And yes, they can connect to your PC, some of them, but the core functionality is still happening on the Quest. And if you look at Infinite Office, and this is very interesting, the first prototype we saw of Facebook's upcoming feature called Infinite Office where you can place monitors, virtual monitors in your space, it was streaming them the windows from a Windows computer. But if you look at the current videos and all of all of the indication we get, it's now going to be a web app thing where it's running in the Oculus browser on the Quest. So even for work, even for for when it comes to work and productivity apps, Facebook is pushing it to mobile. And I mean, why wouldn't they when you consider that they can just sell you the product and that's it. They don't have to say, well, here's the product, but also you have to have a gaming PC, which will cost you a thousand dollars, and then you'll have to connect it and hope your USB works, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Which it's still a compelling market, but you don't want the product to require it, and you don't want any of your major ventures to require it, or at least Facebook doesn't at this point. That's a great way, great place to stop. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you later. We'll see you in the future. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Apologies for the technical issues.